Well, hello. Welcome back to The Best Podcast. Today we have a singing teacher who has transformed into a, an intuitive confidence coach and we're going to find out all about that in a moment. And I'd love to welcome Lily Badcock to the podcast. Hi, Lily. Hey, hey. How are you? <laughs> so a long time ago we met uh, through singing teaching. You were... Um, I think you were following SLS for a little while and and maybe came to a workshop or did some classes there. And yeah. I, I'm thinking that it was about seven or eight years ago, maybe maybe more. Yeah, it must have been. In fact, it must have been before that because I think the first time we met, I had no children and yes. I don't even think I was pregnant. So that was like many moons ago. <laughs> Yes, because I was saying earlier, wasn't I, that um, every time I see you either pregnant or just been pregnant, yeah, so you've now had baby number three, little girl. She's here on my lap. There she is. (laughs) One. And we're going to talk about that, actually, balancing work life with children. Yeah. And singing. Yeah. Yeah. So usually I start uh, with asking people how they got into into singing and then how did that transpire into becoming a teacher? So what's your story? So I have been singing my entire life. I think my mum would say I started singing before I even started speaking. Um, And I definitely remember as a child being sent to dance classes and I distinctly remember I kept asking the teachers if I could sing in the shows instead of dance because I I knew after a while that I was never going to be a great dancer. Uh, but they were choosing songs and I knew the words. So I was like, can I just get up and sing? They were like, no, this is the school of dance. Like there is no singing. So um, so that's how it all began for me. And then I, all the normal things, we did the kind of choir in school and, and all the rest of it. Um, and then as I got older, it became something that I did on a daily basis. And I think you know, you know, as you're a teenager, you kind of find the things that you love and singing for me was just something that I had to do every single day for hours and hours on end. I'd just be in my room singing to all of my CDs and and all the rest of it. And I was even saying on on a training the other day that while most teenagers were hanging out in the park and drinking, I was holed up in my room singing to Tina Turner and Aretha Franklin and all of those things. It was just, it was my happy place and it was how I I learned to process, I think, I didn't know I was doing it at the time, but I learned to process a lot of the changes that you go through in that in that time. Mm-hmm. So it became very integral to me feeling happy and feeling content. And then I do remember one particular day I'd been screeching along to Mariah Carey and was having a coughing fit <laughs> afterwards. And my mum just really gently opened the door and was like, maybe it's time for some singing lessons. <laughs> I'd absolutely like ragged my voice um and so that that started me down the path of actually having tuition and I'd actually not wanted lessons as a child I always had this idea that I was going to be discovered as a singer and and that my thing would be that I'd never been trained and I had this kind of thing for a while but I was 19 by that point and I was like you know what it's not cute anymore you're nearly 20 like you know go and get your lessons so um so that's how I got into into the lessons and then I from there just became really curious about my voice and there were lots of things that I thought were a given and that I thought couldn't be changed and through teaching I realized that 
actually it wasn't a given and there were things you could do and it just became very interesting to me and so then I started down just kind of ambled down the teaching path without any real plan which is kind of a metaphor for my entire life really (laughs) ambling along um and then yeah then I got the opportunity to open my own studio and I took over a choir which I'm still running now it's been running 13 years now and it's become just well, as it always was, an integral part of my life. And now, I, you know, as you mentioned, I'm a, I call myself an intuitive confidence coach, but singing is still one of the main tools that I use to help people build confidence, to overcome anxiety, to manage their emotions, to change their belief systems. It's such a powerful thing, you know, to be able to do. Mm. And so that's where I'm at right now and breaking into the online world as I go. Mm. Yes, yeah, so I've noticed you've been quite entrepreneurial in the way that you approach your business, um, mm. and I'd like to talk about that a little bit more in a moment. So what were the things that challenged you as a beginning singing teacher when you first started teaching? Um, I'd say the main thing was, I call it comparisonitis. You know, um, I didn't know then what I know now, which is that we all have the ability to be transformational. We all have the ability to, to really step into our power. And when we really own who we are, warts and all, the good, the bad, the ugly, we become very powerful. But in the early days, I didn't know that. And I, I actually have, I know now, I actually have a very anxious mindset. I'm by nature quite an anxious person, which I never thought I was. I, I always thought I was positive. What I've learned is I am very positive, but it was always a choice because anxiety was what my default switch was. So I always chose to override that, which is actually really exhausting. Mm. (laughs) Since I learned I don't have to do that all the time now, I'm a lot less highly strung because it's like, do you know what? You're allowed a bad day. Mm. Um, But yeah, in the early days, definitely. And especially, you know, you mentioned SLS. We were training quite often in groups and you are hearing singers all of the time. Um, And so I I kind of had it on a double whammy because I would hear voices that I perceived to be better than mine, stronger than mine, more versatile than mine, you know, whatever. And then by the same point, seeing teachers and, you know, even the teachers that were training us, I'm just the sort of person that I always want to be the very best at what I do. So when I'm in a situation where I'm being trained, I instantly tell myself I need to be as good as the person that's training me, if not better. So I found it really overwhelming um, and frequently would tell myself that, you know, you're not doing a good job and you're not, you know, you're not as far along as that person is. And, you know, my competitive side definitely came out, but not in a good way. Um, And that can keep you stuck, actually. You can get really stuck in that cycle Mm. because when, because then you're not, you're not walking your own path. You're just sat still looking at everybody else's because you've lost sight of the fact that you have your own journey to make. So definitely comparing myself to others was was a big struggle in the beginning mm. and I'm really just trying to trying to undo all of the habits as well that I've taken on as a singer let alone as a teacher um trying to navigate my own voice trying to navigate my own changes whilst helping other people to do the same thing that was a massive challenge as well and probably in some ways still is you know mm. anytime you're a singer and a teacher always in the back of your mind you're thinking about your own voice and like oh how does this apply to me so trying to balance that as well was was quite a struggle I think 
How do you think that impacted the way that you worked with with your students then? I definitely think in the beginning, again, it, it comes down to the fact that I didn't know what, I call it my superpower. I didn't know what my superpower was. So for a very long time, I felt inadequate around other vocal coaches because I wasn't driven so much by, say, the science side of things. Although as a singer, I find that very interesting mm. and it definitely works. It's nothing to do with that, but it wasn't lighting my fire, so to speak. I wasn't getting as excited about it as other vocal coaches were. So I told myself, oh, well, then that just must mean that I'm not very good at what I do. And I think that is that has to impact the people you're teaching them because you don't bring the fire when you're teaching. Teaching is a, it's a passion-led thing. Like you have to love what you're teaching, I think, to really be the very best at what you do. And for so long, I just was like, well, I'm just not a very good vocal coach, you know? And then I had this epiphany a few years ago. I kind of have one of those moments in life where you just stop and you feel like you're at a crossroads and you, you want to take stock and you're just like, okay, so what have I created so far? What do I want to create in the future? Where am I actually heading with this? What lights me up? What doesn't? And so I asked myself out of all the people I taught, who were the ones that, who were the students that I really loved to teach? Who were my, you know, the ones that you see their name come up on your calendar and you're just like, yes, like they're in today. The ones whose hour lesson felt like three minutes long, you know? And I realized that all of the people I was teaching that ticked those boxes were all people who had come believing they couldn't do it and then they'd gone away knowing they could. And then I had this light bulb moment and I was like, oh my God, I'm not a singing teacher. I'm a confidence coach. My mission is to help people. I actually know now my, my mission has evolved even since then. But even in that moment, it was like, oh, no, you help people realize they can do it. Mm. Like your superpower is telling people they can when they think they can't. And singing is how you do that because singing is something I love and I will always love. But the minute I realized that, everything clicked into place. And then suddenly in a room of vocal coaches, I didn't feel inadequate anymore because I'd found my thing. It was like, yeah, I mean, you know, formants and harmonics, they're great and all of that. But I was never going to be a lecturer on formants and harmonics. It's just not my zone of genius. Mm. Um, although I still desperately try to understand those things. <laughs> um, because my my singing side is curious and I and I felt it works. So it's mm. curious. But really it's it's about finding out I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna go deep with it. It is about what's your purpose on the planet. Why did you come to this planet? What's your what's your soul's mission? You know your I believe we are souls in human bodies. And so your human has a bunch of things it can do. My human happens to be able to sing. But my mission is to remind people of who they are so that they can show up in the world and shine their light as bright as they can. Mm. Because that's how we're going to evolve. That's going to change the world, you know? Just imagine if everybody knew what they were truly good at and why they were here. It would just be a completely different place. Mm. So... um. So it's really about that for me. And singing, like I said, it's still a huge part of what I do. But I'm very, very clear now on what I do and who I help. And the way that that's impacted the people I teach. For a start now, I'm calling in the exact clients who need what I'm offering. If somebody calls me and tells me that they are... 
about to embark on, I don't know, a West End tour, um, you know, or a tour of any kind, and they need, they need, you know, vocal rehabilitation or whatever, then I'm very clear on what I'm doing. And I'm like, okay, well, if you're struggling with your confidence around doing that, then absolutely I'm the person. But if you're worried about the, um, you know, sustaining your voice over that time, then I have people I can refer you to. And it's very empowering be, being able to refer people on to the coaches mm. because I know people who really do get lit up by performance and the harmonics and, you know, all of the technical side of things. And that's their zone of genius. And it's absolutely right that that person should go to that coach. So how it's impacted the people I'm teaching is I, I will only take on the clients that I know are for me. And then I will lovingly guide the others to the people that need them the most, you know? And um, I think that's about being integrity as a, as a coach as well. Mm. So how, what was your journey then from, um, you know, opening your own studio and then having to question, you know, where you were going? So was there a particular thing that you did or something you read or uh, Mm. a course that you took that took you to this place? Yeah. So I was on my path. I was doing the training. I came and did um, be a singing teacher with you and a couple of other kind of one-off workshops, which I think some of which you'd facilitated as well, where a coach would come and you'd spend a day. I was doing all of that. And then in 2000, and I want to say 2013, so the year after I had my second son, I completely lost my voice, completely. Not just my singing voice, but speaking as well. And it went for about three weeks and that changed everything. Until that point, I'd never struggled with my confidence as a singer. Or, and really, I don't think I'd ever really struggled with my confidence with anything. Because I think even if, even if I had, I didn't perceive it that way. I was always this kind of bubbly, like, yeah, I can do it kind of person. So then my voice went and... Initially, I was throwing, you know, my positivity at it. Like, oh, it'll come back. It'll be fine. It'll be all right. And then it just wasn't coming back. And I really started to think, oh, my God, I've lost my voice. It's, it's just gone. And I have people saying things like, well, you've had babies. That can affect, you know, hormone balances and things flare up and all the swelling and the relaxing and all the stuff, you know, that can affect it. And I just thought, oh, no, like, that, I'm done. Like there's no, I have no singing voice. And I realized through a process of a lot of kind of inner work and mindset work that I had actually attached my entire identity to my voice. So when I didn't have that, and when I was faced with the possibility of you can't gig anymore, you can't teach anymore. I was just like, well, I don't even know who I am then. I don't even know who I am. And I, massively crashed I started having panic attacks I had to be signed off work um and I think it was all it was all part and parcel of a bunch of things that were happening I'd had two children very close together which is a huge life change and I've not really given myself the the props for how much of a change that was going to be again because of my mindset of ah kids whatever let's crack on you know um I've not really given myself a chance to kind of take on how big of a change that was and on top of that I had two friends of mine one of which was very close who had been diagnosed with cancer one sadly died the other one didn't but her life was completely changed and so then I was kind of faced with my own 
mortality as well. And then I started asking all the questions like, well, what's, what is even the point of all of this? Like, why are people dying when they're only in their 30s? And why have I lost my voice when I know that that's who I, you know, who I was always meant to be? I was always about singing. So, and I lost my faith completely in everything. Um, and then over the over the years since then, that's what caused me to ask the questions, like, what am I even doing? And through a, a whole catalogue of things, um, you know, catalogue of, of trainings, I decided to take books I was led to. I started to get back in touch with me and with what I believe. And what I now am is a massive hippie, as my husband would say. He calls me Gandhi on a regular basis. Um, and I am very spiritual because I really feel like that was like a big spiritual awakening. Mm. And for me, the thing with the voice, even up until last year, I would say, my voice was still plaguing me. I got, got my speaking voice back, but I still, I, I stopped gigging completely. At one point, I stopped teaching completely. I convinced myself that I wasn't supposed to teach I had all these voices in my head saying, well, look, you've wrecked your voice. If you, if you teach someone else, you're going to wreck their voice too. And I had to keep working because I was putting food on the table. So I had all of that going in my head while, te- you know, I was still in front of an entire school of children once, teaching them hymns and not able to sing. And that voice going, they're all looking at you like, what are you doing here? I mean, it was awful. Mm. And, but, it, but it was actually that experience that allowed me to to know what it feels like to be completely devoid of any confidence whatsoever, mm-hmm. to have to stand up on a stage and not trust that your voice is going to come out and not trust that you're even in the right place, right? So, um, so I kind of went down the confidence coaching path initially because I really believed I wasn't supposed to sing anymore. So I was like, well, that's all right. I'll be a life coach. Like, oh, my life's over. I really thought this, like, oh, well, my life's screwed up, but I'll help other people, like, you know, make good choices or whatever. And then people kept saying, I kept getting signs. People kept saying, no, you really should be singing. Like, you really should be singing. I think even you said it to me. (laughs) Like, people all around from all different kind of clumps of people. They were like, no, you really, really should be doing that. And I, the truth was, I was just afraid. I was really afraid to try and get it back in case I couldn't get it back. Mm. Um, but in the end, as with anything that is your purpose and your passion, it's not going to go forever. You, you can't not do it, right? It's the, it's the air that you breathe. So I started getting back into it. And I actually hired Steve Giles, who I know is known to you. Um, and he was massively instrumental in helping me get my voice back, not just physically, but when I was telling myself, well, my, I kept saying, my voice is broken, it's broken, it's just broken. And he'd be like, it's really not. And then he would run me on scales and I would experience my voice was still there. And I wouldn't understand what was going on because by this point, I'm a qualified teacher as well. Like I can teach, I get this stuff. So I was like, why can't I do this for myself? But obviously we never can. So he enabled me to rehabilitate my voice to a point. But at the same time, I really started digging into the mindset side of things. Mm -hmm. And I now fully believe that I lost my physical voice because I lost who I was in my heart and soul. I lost my direction. I think 
just for a second and anyone listening or watching this who's not maybe spiritually inclined is probably going to be going wow massive hippie but just stick with me a minute let's just imagine that there's some higher power or version of ourselves even that's looking down on us that already knows the bigger picture that already knows that we're here to do great work that we're already enough we're already worthy we're already fully equipped And that higher version of us is watching the human version of us running around down here on earth, panicking because we've lost our voice for five minutes. And it's like, oh, how are we going to get her back on path? Well, taking my voice away made me sit up and take notice. I never would have had those epiphanies. I never would have ended up doing what I'm doing. I never would have known I was struggling with anxiety. I would have been continuing to have panic attacks, not knowing what they were. All of that happened because I lost my voice. And I just think if there is anything kind of trying to guide us, it's like, oh, okay, well, let's cut her off at her source. She needs to stop and like pay attention and maybe change direction. So that's why I believe it happened. And so now my whole mission and work is about helping people remember who they are and to find the thing they are supposed to do in the world, whether that's singing or not but I use music and singing as a tool to do that. So I specifically train people who most of my clients loved to sing and have had a break from singing the way that I did for some reason. And a lot of the times it's because they've had children or it's because they started down a career path and, or, you know, they just ended up doing everything for everybody else and they forgot that they're allowed to do something for themselves as well. And I, I now, in fact, I just launched a program called find your voice and it's really about, Yes, getting back your voice, you know, or or rehabilitating it if it's a bit croaky, but it's really on a spiritual level. It's, you know, those vocal issues are a physical sign that you're out of alignment with who you are in your heart and soul. So let's get you back on path. And it's so amazing how that works. It's a little bit hard to explain. It's just magic. <laughs> but I love it. So what kind of um, education did you have, say, for the business side? Oh, just massive trial and error. Okay. <laughs> massive trial and error. Um, I'll say that. And then I started being intuitively guided and I didn't know at the time that that's what it was. But for example, while I had that big meltdown, we'll call it, when I was like, who even am I? I remember I got really sick. I caught the flu. Of course, I lost my voice again. And I was sat on my laptop and I, I don't even know how it happened, but I stumbled across somebody called Marie Forleo, who is a massive online entrepreneur, very known in the online business world. She has a very well-known program called B-School, which, um, and the thing I loved about her message is she will teach you to run an online business, but it's a heart-centered business. It's all about heart first, passion first. And I just was like, oh, I need to do that course. Like, She's going to teach me all of the nuts and bolts that I don't have. Um, And I'm really going to be able to kind of give this thing wings. I fully believed at that point, that was in 2015, I think it was. I fully believed at that point that I was going to take her eight-week program and then be a millionaire, like shortly afterwards (laughs) from my wonderful business. And it really didn't happen. However, some of the ideas that I received through, even in the first week or two of that course have now become reality. So the Confidence Academy was something that came to me while I did that. Mm -hmm. And that's now a massive online community. It's got its own podcast. 
it's kind of the whole umbrella over everything that I do. Um, and so that was very integral. And then through B-School, I, I met and worked with lots and lots of different people. Some of them were teaching me like sales funnels, Facebook ads, but some of them were teaching me how to meditate, do yoga and journal. So it was all very, you know, on the one hand, the nuts and bolts, and on the other hand, the very deep spiritual kind of mindset mm. stuff that you need. And then I joined something called the FEA. Again, I think that was 2015 or 16, perhaps. Um, and that stands for Female Entrepreneur Association. And again, there's a lot of training in that. that that's how I got my podcast started, because they have little monthly bundles of like one focus. So the podcast bundle is just let's get you from no podcast to published podcast in a week or however long you want to do it. Mm. They've got trainings for Facebook ads, for setting up your website, for having a membership online presence, for, I don't know, sales funnels, just everything, all the little bits and pieces, email lists and all that fun stuff. Mm. Um, so I've been very engrossed in that world for a good few years as well. And not only has that been good for learning, you know, the, the tangible things I had to do, but it's been great for networking. Mm. I think in certain spaces now online, I'm really well known, especially because of my name. There are not very many Lily Badcocks around. And, and almost no one I've found doing exactly what I'm doing. I think there are plenty of vocal coaches that are building confidence. I think we're all doing that, actually, because the, just by by nature of the work, it happens. Mm. But I don't see many people who are purposefully adding that bit in and then bringing in that whole spiritual element as well. Um, and so because of that, I'm kind of, people are kind of taking notice because it's a little bit strange. I'm kind of combining a few things together. Mm. So, um, so yeah, the online networking has probably been my best teacher um, and all of the connections I've made online and I've taken countless programs courses and god knows what I'm a bit of a course junkie at this point but um but I'm always learning so I love it <laughs> so when you can you tell me what a session with you would entail or um or a period of sessions like what what's your do you have a methodology yeah so it's very organic um I would say, so find your voice, which is my, it's my signature program. And as I said, I just launched the online version of that. But so for example, um, one of the first ladies that came through that program came into me because she was just struggling with anxiety and confidence. Um, so when somebody comes in, it starts as any singing lesson would start. I just start I do a diagnostic scale. I kind of find out what their voice can do. But this is where the intuitive bit comes in. I get intuitive hits and things I feel like I need to say to people when I'm with them. And so very quickly, it becomes led by that intuition. It's really, really strange how it works. So um, for example, this lady came in, I did a couple of scales with her but we very quickly got talking about things that she'd struggled with for years and years. And this is one thing I get told a lot. People feel like they want to tell me stuff <laughs> that they haven't. Sometimes they've never said it out loud. And I get this, even it's even started happening now on my podcast interviews. So even in a situation where it's not even a session, people just feel like they want to start talking about things. So, and it's, it's a really organic thing, but 
So the, the session is very intuitively led and I will just, I will say the things that come into my mind, but it's usually geared around, I will see very quickly the potential in someone. That's my superpower. I will see very quickly um, <clears throat> how using their voice will help them. So in this lady's case, we did the exercises, but very quickly I got to the, I got to the bottom of the fact that she was actually meant to be teaching herself. And then she told me that actually she was into angelic Reiki and she'd always had a business and she hadn't done it for a while. And so it organically kind of went that way. So in a session with me, I'll run them on some vocal exercises, but there'll also be a good chunk of co coaching, I would say. And it really is just intuitive conversation. I will think of questions that I need to ask and I will ask them and it leads to them kind of giving me information and very quickly I'm able to see oh you do this because you're supposed to do that and then we make the sing the singing really is just a lot of the time it's release for them um it's it's a place for them to release but it's also a very brilliant way to teach the lessons I want to teach for example you know the more you focus and grip onto a result the more you try and hang on to one result one way of it happening the less likely you're going to get something that feels good, right? Mm. So if somebody comes in and they're trying to sing, I don't know, Mariah Carey, and they're trying to hit that high note, you know, if they're trying to sing that note from their headspace, they're going to do a whole bunch of stuff that's not going to help them, right? They're not trusting their body. They're not, they don't have trust in their ability to do it. So they're not relaxed. Then the air's not flowing. And all of the things that need to happen in order for that voice to feel good and sound good can't happen because they're trying to do it from their head so people get I, I say it all the time in lessons I will give I will deliver the lesson as a singing teacher so I'll say oh in order to do this you have to do that and then I'll always go oh and by the way that's a great life lesson and so very quickly people start to go oh because they they're coming to me don't forget people that come to me don't think they're very good at singing um and I normally blow that belief out of the water within about 10 minutes. It's mm. like, well, that's just, a, that's just something you're telling yourself. Mm. You know, you have a mind, but you're not your mind. Just because you've constantly said mm. you can't sing, it doesn't mean you can't sing. Just because I constantly said my voice was broken, it doesn't mean it was broken. Mm. But what you constantly think becomes what you believe. And then what you believe uh, causes you to act a certain way. And then how you act creates your reality. So I was saying to myself, oh, my voice is broken. I cultivated a belief my voice was broken. So I started singing like my voice was broken. Mm. And then the, my reality was my voice was broken. The minute I started digging into that, everything changed. And so it, in a session, that's what people would expect to, to get as a result. Like you'll learn to sing, sure. But that's really such a tiny part of what people get from working with me. Mm. Um you know, and, and so people in my choir, for example, they come because they want to join a choir. They don't know about the other stuff. It's kind of subliminal. Um, so they come because they want to join a choir, but they very quickly report things like, you know, more confidence at work or um, choosing better relationships or uh, getting on better with family. And, you know, it, it transcends everything mm. uh, because the lessons that get imparted, you can just make that apply all over. So... Mm. So yeah, the find your voice process is really, it's a, it's a two pronged thing. Sure. You'll learn to, you'll learn to sing. Uh, public speakers will learn to speak with more clarity and more strength, 
but actually that comes from the fact that they're com- connecting back to who they are in their heart and soul and doing the thing that they're supposed to do and often we feel like we're not supposed to do that or that we can't do that it just seems too easy mm-hmm. so, but that can't be the thing because it's just it's too easy well no that's exactly the thing it should mm-hmm. be easy that's the whole mm-hmm. point <laughs> so um how would you suggest you know a lot of teachers they're very conscientious in the way that they uh teach and, and educate themselves and they're thinking about the functional aspect or the science aspect or um, stylistic aspect of teaching, mm. but maybe they they feel like they're because I think a lot of teachers do have intuition. I, they don't, oh, yeah. as you said, realize it. Um, mm. But that's kind of what draws a lot of people to teaching in mm-hmm. the first place is that ability to see the best in others. Mm. So if someone wants to become more conscious of using that side of of their skill set what would you um advise that they do and how would you advise that they develop that side uh first of all work on yourself Mm -hmm. it's I I had a little again I'm realizing now it was a total intuitive nudge I didn't realize it at the time but when I set off on this path of confidence coach and all the rest of it I wrote in my journal your first client will be you like you will succeed at this when when you succeed at this, when you put yourself through your own paces kind of thing. So it's about self-awareness. It's mm. about self-belief. Mm. I think there's real power in looking at the dark corners, the things that you're suppressing in yourself because you're ashamed of them or because you don't, you don't think that you're very good at them or, you know, those kind of skeleton in the closet kind of, kind of things. And I mean, I've chosen to kind of publicly come out on Facebook about a lot of those things because that's how I deal with it. But I'm not suggesting everybody has to do that. I fully suggest getting a journal. I totally suggest starting to journal out your thoughts every day. Um, Really start to look at your own mindset. And also when you're working with clients... If you are, if you're with somebody who's not getting a result and you've tried all of the physical exercises you can think of, then for sure you can be certain there's something energetic going on in that person. Mm. So just start asking those questions. You're absolutely right. Teachers are intuitive. Actually, we're all intuitive. We all have the ability. Um, But it's learning to, first of all, recognize what the intuition is. And secondly, then learning to trust it. Mm. So I would just start to, you know, find resources. In fact, I could probably give you a list of resources to to add in the show notes or something. Um, Books I've read, podcasts I've listened to, coaches I like to listen to. And I've actually got a ton of free stuff that I put out constantly as well, if anybody, you know, wants to know more about it. But, Mm. you know, like I, I, I hang out in the Facebook group, for example, and there've been conversations in there. There was one in particular that I remember somebody coming in and saying, oh, you know, I've got this guy and his larynx is really high and we've tried these exercises with the tongue and this exercise hasn't worked. And literally they were at their wits end and everyone was chiming in with these really scientific kind of solutions that were going way over my head. I was like, wow, I mean, yeah, that's really clever. Um, Certainly not something I would have thought to say. And then I, and I almost didn't post because I was like, well, mine's going to sound really stupid. But in the end, I was like, well, no, it's what I think. Mm. So I just posted. I said, next time that guy comes in, ask him where his fear of singing came from. 
So this girl did that and she actually private messaged me back. She went, wow. I asked him where his fear of singing came from. The guy broke down. He'd had an awful experience at school. He'd got up to sing and everyone had laughed at him. So his body didn't want him to do it. it was a, it's a safety thing. So many people's voices are locked up because they inherently believe, and this is the case for all anxiety, at the root of all anxiety is the belief that you're not going to be okay. That's all it is. Mm. You can say it's a fear of heights or it's a fear of roller coasters or it's a fear of singing on stage or whatever. It isn't. It's just the belief you're not okay. So you can start to work with that. So I also work with um, certain techniques that I found to work for me. So one being EFT, emotional freedom technique, which is where you, you tap on meridian lines in your body and you say, first of all, you say how you're actually feeling. So you'd say, oh, you know, I think when I sing, I sound like a strangled cat. And, you know, I'm afraid that if I perform on stage, everyone's going to laugh at me. And you tap out all the negative and then you go back around and you tap in positive affirmations. Like I get to sing. I am a singer. You know, I get to be heard. My voice gets to be heard. And I'm very passionate, especially about helping singers because they are messengers. They are, they're, you know, I mean, think of someone like Beyonce or someone at that level, how many people her music reaches and how many people her music helps. You know, when you are writing songs or creating music or anything creative, then you are here on this earth to light people up with your gift. It's criminal and so tragic to me to feel like you're not doing that because you don't think you're good enough or because, you know, you're, you're afraid of what might happen. And I always, whenever I feel that fear, I just think to myself, well, what if Marie Forleo had not created B-School? What if Richard Branson hadn't created Virgin Airlines? You know, what if Oprah Winfrey had, you know, look at Oprah Winfrey's backstory. You know, look at her backstory, everything she went through. What if she'd allowed herself to be defeated by the belief that she couldn't do it? Mm. Where would we all be? And they're just people that I look up to, but you can do the same for people you look up to. Mm. Um, but yeah, definitely self-awareness. And it's just about, I think it's just awareness in the beginning, just having that kind of mindset of, oh, well, there could be something else going on there. Yeah. Um, you'll know as a singing teacher, anybody listening or watching will know that probably you're, you know, probably 5% singing teacher, 95% therapist anyway. There's just something about getting in that room with you that people just go, ah, oh, this is all my troubles. Like, look what I've been through. And so you don't have to be a therapist. You don't have to be qualified in any kind of modality it's just being an, a listening ear for that person and then just knowing you don't even have to say it to them but just going oh okay well then that's probably where some of the tension's coming from mm. you know they're absolutely terrified the eight-year-old them is still inside going oh my god the last time we did this we got laughed at it's not okay it's not safe so we're not going to do it mm. um so yeah get just get educated get curious about it read books watch podcasts and all the things. I'm interested to know, um, you know, I think all of this stuff is really fascinating and it's certainly something that I delve into a lot more now than I used to mm -hmm. because my private practice has changed quite significantly. Um, and I realised that actually if I don't start with the mindset, then all the other stuff's just kind of null and void really. Um, and sometimes it's as simple as, as just having, as you said, someone who's got a listening post so they can just pour out their 
fears and anxieties and verbalise them because um, sometimes better out than in, I, mm-hmm. you know, that idea. And other times I delve into it much more specifically because I use a modality called the Lefko belief process, which mm-hmm. eliminates limiting beliefs. And once the mindset's out of the way, you know, the negative beliefs or um, behaviour or emotions are out of the way, now we can get on with the rest of the stuff, whether it's focusing on practice or networking or performance skills or Mm -hmm. the business side, whatever it is, you know, songwriting, being creative. And I think it's it's really great that you're doing this and um, I think it's really interesting because there's... I feel a shift, there's been a shift in in the singing teacher world for people to open up to wide, a wider approach to working with their singers. Um, but it's overwhelming as well because there's so much out there you could be doing to establish yourself. And I, I love the fact that you shared your journey of how you got to where you are. And I think a lot of singing teachers don't realise how much they have already together, you know, in their, their personality and their experiences and their interests and their passions mm-hmm. and that honing in on those things and figuring it out is what's going to make them unique and um, employable, I suppose. You know, people will, there will be people that will come to them based on those needs. And a, a lot of beginning teachers tend to think that they have to be great at everything, you know, mm-hmm. actually, no, it's not going to be possible and you know it's no there's no point in saying I teach everything I teach everyone no because a you might actually not be that good at some of it and some of it you might be really brilliant at but you're not really honing in on that and so you're losing a whole lot of um potential clients and you don't enjoy it either you won't enjoy it you won't you know like I I don't enjoy lessons when someone is very just technical they're all about the technique I just don't enjoy those lessons I Mm. I want to coach them I just Mm. can't help it and then they're just shutting me down like no 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 so I've just learned not to pull those people in yes Um, and it's it's all about starting where you're at it's Mm. never about you know you would never feel good about trying to portray yourself as an expert in something you're not an expert in and that that comes from the belief that you're not enough as you are. And of course you are. Yes. You know, my teaching has changed as I've changed and I'm now experienced in more things because I'm older. But, you know, I always had something to offer. I just didn't always know it. So, mm. yeah, that's, an, that's a great point as well, I think. I'm curious to know a little bit more about podcasting because it's something that I'm, I dabble in. Obviously, we do the podcast for the best members, but that's purely for best members. It's not mm. public. Um, and I've just started podcasting for the magazine, actually. Um, but I have a, a, someone else presenting it. So I've had chats with Chris and Steve, who do The Naked Vocalist, and it seems to me like a really sort of, um, it's a little bit of a difficult area to really gauge, you know, how well you're doing or to find out on the analytics side, you know, how much of what people are listening to transfers into something more monetary or Mm. reputation-wise. So what's your experience been? So I, in 2017, I started my podcast. And I started that podcast because I literally, I'd got to the end of October that year and I was looking at what I'd achieved. And yet again, I was like, oh, you haven't achieved half the goals you set. Like and that's going to be another year that's gone by and you haven't done this and this and this. 
Um, and I was really down on myself. And then I kind of had this little light bulb moment where I went, well, you know, there's, there's not going to be a big bolt of lightning where suddenly everything shifts. Um, it's going to be just one second in one moment where you just make a decision or you choose to do something different and then that's going to come into something else. So I shifted my mindset and I decided that whatever popped into my head, I was just going to act on it, even if it made no sense. Mm. And the first thing that popped into my head was start a podcast. Well, I didn't even know what a podcast was at that point. Um, so it was a, it was definitely a silly idea, but I'd set myself this goal of taking action anyway. So I did my little podcast bundle. I got it set up. I set myself a goal and I went online and I announced to everybody that in one week, the first episode will be going live because I thought I need that social accountability, otherwise it won't happen. So got it all going. I set myself a goal for 500 listens in the first month, because I thought that sounded like quite a lot of downloads, right? Mm. Um, so I set it up. The first person didn't show up for her interview, but because I'd made that announcement, I was like, well, I'm just going to have to record an episode, then I'll just do one myself. Mm. And I just did it on the fly. I didn't plan it. I just hit record and I was like, I'm going to give you 10 ways to overcome anxiety. Boom. Did it, got it published, got it out there. Three weeks later, or two weeks later, I was sat in Cafe Nero and I was kind of fiddling about on the website for Libsyn, which is my podcast hosting site. And I saw a little click, a little thing to click that said stats. And I clicked on it and I'd had three and a half thousand downloads. And I was like, what? Like what? Like how has that even happened? I hadn't hadn't put it anywhere really. At that point, I'd interviewed one person um, and then done a couple of things myself. So I was like, and I rang my dad, and my dad's always been like my biggest champion. But even he went, "Oh, what's gone wrong there?" Then like that's got to be a mistake. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, well, I I don't understand this." So I would say on that front, I'm still baffled. My podcast has now been downloaded ninety thousand times or something. It's like around that figure. Um, I think in hindsight, what helped me was, first of all, I picked a topic that everybody needs to talk about. It's all, it was all about coping with anxiety. Mm. And my tagline is that you can thrive in spite of it. So I'm not here saying, here's how you get rid of anxiety or here's how you don't have it anymore or, you know, whatever it's, and it's not a long process. It's like, you can make a decision right now here today to have an amazing life with or without it, right? So I think that helped. I think the fact I was interviewing people helped. And because it was kind of a chicken and egg thing, I don't know, but because it got popular really quick, someone I don't even know messaged me and was like, oh my God, you're on iTunes and you're noteworthy. I was like, what? I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, and because of that, more people got to see it and hear it. Um, so I think organically it grew that way. But my take on it is, your podcast is like anything else. So whether you are podcasting or whether you're doing video series or whether you're blogging, my experience now, having been in the online space for a significant amount of time, is it all just serves to let the people see who you are and what you do. So I don't think it's that podcasting is the winning thing or that YouTubing is the winning thing. There is no winning thing. It, Again, it comes down to who you are and what works for you. Audio is perfect for me because I constantly have a baby, you know, feeding from me. And I like don't like to wear makeup much, as you can see. And 
I quite like to hang out in my PJs so I can just podcast at any time of the day or night. It's audio. I found when I tried to do videos, I always beat myself up because they didn't look very professional. Mm. But I found with a podcast that it just, it, I got it sounding professional. Obviously, I'm a singer, so I'm, I'm really well equipped with garage band and I have all the mics and mm. I didn't find the editing hard. You know, it's all very second nature to me. So it seemed a bit of a no brainer. Um, it's just all about, it's all about being seen in the world. You know, you're here, you're here with a message, you're here with a mission, you're here with a, something that you can give other people to help them. And whether it's a podcast or a video or whatever, you're allowing people to experience you. So what my podcast has done for me, and it did take a little while to, to kind of become this, but now I get emails from people on the other side of the world saying that my episode changed their life or that, um, you know, that they, they want to join my program or they want to coach with me. Mm. And they feel like they know me mm. the way that we all feel like we know Ellen DeGeneres because we watch her show all the time, you know? Mm. So I've really learned just on a business point of view for a second, whenever I, whenever I was trying to kind of tick off the boxes and follow the cookie cutter step-by-step thing, it, it kind of doesn't work if, if you haven't tapped into you first, right? It's like you were saying earlier about the singing coaching. The step-by-steps are helpful, but it's not enough if you haven't uncovered what your superpower is yet. And I think without even really meaning to, I was talking about my superpower. People hear what I'm like on the podcast. It's very, very organic. I don't edit them. Um, I've got a mouth like a toilet and I chat the hind legs of a donkey, as you've seen. And, you know, it's like, but that's me. And the people who love that resonate with me. And they, it's not about, it's not about what you're doing. It's why you're doing it. Mm. And what I'm, why I do that podcast is because I'm so passionate about helping people see that just because they have anxiety or depression or stress related illnesses or whatever it is, they don't have to give up on their life. They don't have to sort of sit in a hole somewhere and just go, oh, well, you know, it didn't work out for me. I just mm-hmm. don't believe that. I believe everyone came here for a reason. Everyone came here with a purpose. And, you know, just because you have anxiety, I actually now know and believe anxiety is just the symptom of waking up to your purpose. When you start to realize that you have that in you and you're not doing it, you're going to feel anxious. You're going to feel frustrated. So um, the podcast actually took a bit of a turn in that direction. Obviously, it went more woo-woo in the, in the process. But, <laughs> but yeah, so it's, I, I think I'd want to say that. I think, yeah, I mean, in terms of analytics, I don't know. I mean, the figures were really high and then Lipson changed how they counted them and all my numbers went down. It is what it is. But I just think, you know, even if one person listens to my podcast and is helped by it, then I've done my job. Mm. and that's what it's about for me I don't do the podcast to hit certain numbers I don't really pay attention to the numbers anymore um I just put the episodes out and when they intuitively feel like they need to go out and I get messages back not all the time but occasionally I had one woman message me she'd been on a flight from Boston and it just blew my mind and someone else was like I think she was in Alaska or something on the school run listening to my podcast I was just like I just love the internet I think it's amazing So, so I think how, you know. How often are you putting it out now, at the moment? Um, very sporadically. It was. It started every week. Then I went twice a week, and at one point it was daily. 
and then I had Sophia and all hell broke loose and mm. now it's like you might get one a week you might get six in one go right now I think I've got about 10 ready to go and they're so good I just need to sit down and get them done mm. I'm but I'm being kind to myself I'm a, I'm a new mum she's nearly one now she just you know she needs my time and I can't afford too many assistants yet so I'm mm. trying to juggle it all myself over here yeah. so so yeah, I'm not being as consistent as I would like, if I'm honest. I think it's a good idea to try and be, it's a good idea to try and set a schedule and stick to it. I'm telling you that, I don't do it myself, but you definitely should do that. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't managed it, but it is what it is. <laughs> so how can people uh, access your work then? Where are the various places? So I have a website, lilybadcock.com, which is currently undergoing some renovation, but you'll definitely find me there. Mm -hmm. Um, I hang out mostly on Facebook. I have a Facebook group called Wake Up, Rise Up. Um, You mentioned earlier there's been a shift in singing teaching. There was actually a massive awakening last year. Loads and loads of people really started to drop. I mean, it's happened even to you. We've all dropped much deeper into our work. We're really recognizing the power of what we're doing. And I think one thing I really want to get across on this particular podcast is I don't think singing teachers necessarily realize just how powerful they are and what they are actually doing for people. Mm. You might think that you're in your little studio teaching your five people a week or whatever and that it's no big deal. You're changing those people's lives and you're changing yours in the process. Um, I'll never forget the day somebody sat down with me. It was the husband of someone in my choir at the time. And he just blurted out in the middle of Thorpe Park, you've changed the life of my wife and our whole family. And I was like, what? I was like, chill out, mate. It's only a choir. You know, I was trying to be funny about it. I didn't realise the year before she'd been bedridden in hospital, agoraphobic, anorexic. Um, They nearly lost her. She had no connection with her children she never wanted to go out she didn't see friends her doctor suggested she find a hobby she found me she came for a couple of singing lessons and even that like she came in I told her about my choir and she said as so many do oh oh no I I couldn't do that and then that became oh well maybe I would like to do that but I'll stand at the back I'm not going to sing up front and then within two weeks she was singing leads and she's now she's no longer in my choir she's gone elsewhere but she's now she's now classing herself as a singer. She sings lead all the time. Her whole life has changed. And I'm not going to take the full credit for that. But as a singing teacher, you are allowing people to challenge the beliefs that are holding them back, whether you know you're doing that or not. And I definitely want more singing teachers to recognize their power and what they're actually doing for people. Mm. Um, So yeah, so I'm on Facebook all the time. (laughs) <laughs> so Lily Badcock is my personal profile Wake Up Rise Up is my Facebook group um, and there are loads and loads of other little groups I create as well off of that and obviously on the podcast as well which is called The Confidence Academy so you can catch that as well mm, Great, well thanks so much for sharing your journey Lily, it's been amazing to hear and catch up with all your new evo- evolution and it's very <laughs> exciting I'm really excited to see how it moves on Thank you. Um, Yeah, and we'll see you in the community. Yes, I can't wait. Thank you so much. See ya. Bye-bye.